the same way they came in. May we be like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, whose hearts would burn at the expansion of your word. That may cause us to rise in the dead of the night and conduct ourselves differently forever. We give you thanks. We give you praise. Thank you for this evening. In Jesus' name. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Please do be seated. Thank you so very much. Minstrels and psalmists, thank you. May the seasons arrive upon you so that like David, when you strum your guitars and you hit the keyboard and you strike the drums, the sound would be the product of what you hear in the spirit. And when it carries out, may it be that those who participate in that sound would experience a deliverance from oppressions. Where is the rest of the team? You stand up wherever you are. All of the music teams, whether you are coming from another assembly or you are here, just stand up wherever you are. For the days are coming where our music should not be characterized as entertainment anymore. It should not be characterized as entertainment. For we are not here to entertain people. We are here to give honor unto God. Therefore in the news when it comes to the segment and says now entertainment, then they include entertainment as gospel music. That is not acceptable. That is not right. But it is because we have submitted to that. Forth with your music that you offer unto God should not be put in the market as somebody's entertainment. May you become instruments that people will be careful, afraid to simply want to reproduce your music because they know it is sacred, set aside, and so are you. May your music bring healing and deliverances to people. You are a unique set of people. You are minstrels, psalmists who give glory and honor unto God. The sound of your voice, without the laying on of hands, bring a release into life. Let cripples rise up and let the blind see. And let them who have not heard the voice of God begin to hear the prophetic waves break out in their ears. May you become a unique set of people. Forthwith, may you lead the way. May you charter a path in time to come. And when people begin to acclaim you, never lose your place in this house or in any other house. For it is in the house that you are planted that the unction increases upon you. The Lord bless you. You may please be seated. I tried on the first day by the help of the Spirit of God.
to share with you that God is speaking by His Son. His Son, whose name in Revelations is called the Word of God. (laughs) His Son, whose name in Revelations is called the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. His Son, who is declared in Corinthians in chapter 1, that He is the wisdom of God and the power of God. His Son, who in John chapter 1 is declared as in, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. His Son, who is the creator of the ends of the earth. And His Son, who is the heir of all things to the King of Kings, God the Father. He's speaking by His Son. Every discussion we can have concerning the Word of God is about His Son. (laughs) And about the mind of God. (laughs) And about the expressions of God. He himself said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. I pray God that tonight your spirit would engage with the spirit of the word. I pray that your heart would begin to burn and be lit up by the truth of his word. I am deeply humbled and excited for these meetings. Man of God, once again, thank you. I thank you as the head of this awesome assembly. And I say thank you to your bride and permanent roommate (laughs) and to all the leadership of this house because perhaps we don't know whether you will not see me again for another two years as the wind blows so the Lord will carry us (laughs) so we don't know so I would like to say thank you when after tonight we go our separate ways for a while The Lord watch over you as he watches over us. And yet in the spirit, may we take hold of what our assignment is. As you take hold of what your assignment is. So that the kingdom of heaven is advanced by you as well as by us. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So once again, thank you. Thank you so very much. All you protocol persons who have been so gracious. Thank you. Thank you all eminent people who sit quietly and humbly because we have the task of speaking the word of God, but it doesn't mean you don't know better. Thank you for your humility. Thank you for the honor you do us. Thank you so very much. We salute you. Thank you. Amen. God is good. Amen. 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 
one. God finished everything before he invited us to do anything. We are talking today about obedience into blessing. And I will add one small word in between. Obedience, inheritance, and blessing. Amen. So I want to establish with you that God finished everything before inviting man into it. That is his pattern. Let's take the first scripture. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, or 25 and 26, I beg your pardon. And God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps upon the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. He finished all of that. And then verse 26, then he said, now... We have done everything according to its kind. Each of them can reproduce of themselves. Now, let us reproduce of ourselves. So let us make man in our image and after our likeness. One who would behave like us. One who would think like us. One who would talk like us. One who would fellowship with us. Let us make man. In our image. So, God created man in his own image. Verse 27 says, In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. He finished everything before he created man. And when he had, the Bible says, And he blessed them. And he did what? He blessed them and said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, have dominion. Let us establish this principle. I am bringing something to your understanding and to your attention. The miracle you are looking for has already been finished. You didn't hear me. The breakthrough you are already looking for has already been finished. The blessing you crave has already been finished. God is not now thinking about how to do it. He finished it before you were born. When we understand this, it makes obedience a more practical approach to receiving and walking in what it is that we are supposed to walk. Shall we establish this further? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has what? Who has what? With? I want you to read it boldly. Who has what? With? Okay. Some spiritual blessing. Most spiritual blessings. What? Every spiritual blessing where? In the heavenly places where? In Christ. 
He has already done it. And all of it is wrapped up where? In Christ. Then verse 4 says, He did all of this in the same way that He chose us in Him before what? Is it in your Bible? Are you sure? If it is, then you should be jumping by now. Are you sure it's in your Bible? (laughs) Before the foundation of the world. So before you were born, God chose you. Hello? It is too much, yes? For my small head. That is why it has to be by your spirit. Before you were born, He chose you. Whilst you were messing around and doing all of those things, womanizing, manizing, doping and coping and all of those things, He chose you. When you thought you were living life and doing your own thing, He still chose you. He was just patient until, until the day came when He snagged you. All the while, He chose you. He chose you. Your sin is not greater than God's love. Are you listening? Your rebellion is not deeper than God's grace. That is no license to go on rebelling. It is rather to point you to the fact that there is something so deep that you cannot run away from. Before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame Before him in love. He settled this. Chapter 2 verse 10. We are his workmanship. Created where? Please read it. We are his workmanship created where? For, 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 so you were created in Christ so that you and I would do what? Carry out good works. How and when did he do it? Which God did what? When? Beforehand. That we should what? So good works is supposed to be the arena in which you what? Function, you work. As you walk and work, good works, good works, good works, good works. That is what you're supposed to. Everywhere you go, things are negative. You do good works. That is your DNA. You see, these lights are functioning as they are designed to function. Light is designed to shine. Not to be out. So when light is not shining, it is malfunctioning. You are light. We are created in Christ for good works. I'm simply establishing with you that God finished it before you were born. Before. Before. So all of these scriptures is just to affirm that he finished something before you. It was not when you came to accept Jesus that you now, as something is being formed concerning you. He finished it before you heard the message. Yes. 
God thought far. Years. Decades. Shall we confirm this further? When was the prophecy about Jesus' birth in Isaiah? Isaiah, quote, which of this? Chapter 9? Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Chapter 9, verse 6. What does it say? That's what we quote at, at, at Christmas, right? What does it say? Unto us, a child is what? That is the language. Is, not will be. It is not grammatically wrong. It is another, the language of another realm. Unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. But what? And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called what? Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. But he's speaking of what? The Son. And his name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. God speaks in terms of his existence. And the earth responds to it in terms of its time of manifestation. Mm-hmm. 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 That's right. Reverend, you, you, you grab it. That's right. When we keep thinking in terms of the earth time, we miss heavenly declarations. Because in heaven, as far as goes God, it is a done deal. He's finished it. He spoke it. It's finished. But we now would have to follow the protocols in the earth so heaven would come to pass. So he blessed us with every blessing. But now where is the blessing? That is why we have to pray. That is why we have to walk in obedience. That is why we have to function in faith. So that that which is... Hello? Are you getting the picture? We, we, we are uncommon people. But we are yet to wake up to how uncommon we are. Romans 8, verse 29. What does it say? For whom he foreknew, he also did what? Predestined to be conformed. Jointly formed, that is that word, sumorpho, jointly formed into the image of his son. So his son and us are formed into one man. Jointly formed. That he might be the firstborn amongst many brethren. Continue. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he called. And whom he called, he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Five steps. Those whom he foreknew, he predestined, he called, justified, glorified. Look at the verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? 
Are you now seeing the where we stand? This is what God's position is. He foreknew us. He called us. His intention is to justify us and bring us to a place of glory. So what is it on earth, under the earth, outside the earth, that can stop us? Get to know where you stand. He finished it. He finished it. Then Jesus hung on the cross. When he hung on the cross, he said, It is finished. Following the same pattern. It is finished. Once it was finished, what was it that was finished? Brother, sister, make it a point to discover from the scripture the things that God in Christ declared that was finished. Which is why you have entered into quote-unquote salvation. Certain things were secured for you and I. It is not simply a case of going to heaven. Bruh, it is much, much more than going to heaven. We are not designed to escape from this world for escape's sake. We are here to be ambassadors, representatives, workers of the heavenly king here. That is what we are here for. He said it is finished. When Jesus died on the cross, the following day after that was the day of Sabbath. It was the day of rest. When God finished the work of creation, the following day after the day six was what day? The seventh day, the day of rest. Man's first day starts from the day of rest. Because there is nothing to do, you have to start from God's rest. Then you can serve appropriately. Then everything you do will simply be what you are told to do. There is nothing new you are to create. You are simply to walk in the good works that he has already prepared beforehand. This is why your obedience is so crucial. When slowly God began opening my eyes, the first thing it produced in my spirit was a deep rest and peace. So no matter what wind is blowing, I look at the situation calmly and my mind is saying, hmm, what is God up to? What is he up to? Because I know that the things have already been what? Finished. I must discover what next. I must discover how I am to engage in this period. Because he has finished it. He has finished it. He has finished it. So even the people who wanted to go and embalm Jesus 
Because it was the Sabbath, they could not go. They prepared everything. But because it was the Sabbath, everybody, after all the hula baloo and the rustle of the day before and the crucifixion and everything, everybody had to rest. But the most beautiful thing happened. When he declared, it is finished. Those who had been buried for some time, woke up in their graves. Their eyes said, wait a minute, something has happened. The bond of death has been broken. We no longer are bound. We are not held by the grave anymore. Suddenly their eyes open. Hello, hello, because it is what? It is finished. Death had been terminated. But Bible says, but they remained in their graves until he resurrected. Then they also came out of their graves, many of them, and began walking into the city. Oh my goodness. I wonder what sight that would have been. Bro, imagine all of a sudden from Gethsemane and from Awudome and from Osu, all the people that you have known because Jesus declared it is finished. Then a number of them wake up. And when you look, Sunday you are coming from church. All of a sudden here they are, walking around in the city. And say, but you you are supposed to be dead. Because the clock had been turned back. That which was finished is established. We have been invited and initiated into an exclusive club of partakers of the divine nature. We are partakers of the divine nature. So the more we give our minds to the limited nature, we are frustrating that divine nature. It was finished. Finished. So this is what is the first thing we need to understand. Can we confirm further with the final scripture? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1 to 3. And it says, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, whose rest? His rest. His rest. Let us fear, lest any one of you seem to come short of it. Verse 2. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. Referring to the church in the wilderness. They also had a gospel preached to them as well as. But the word which they heard did not profit them. Why? Because they did not mix it with trusting and obeying. In those who heard it, verse 3, for we who have believed do enter that rest. As he has said, so I swore in my wrath that they who did not believe shall not enter my rest 
although, although, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. The reason why you must believe is because it is already finished. 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 So sometimes we pray certain prayers as though God is now going to create finished it is finished it is finished it is finished Jesus was not an afterthought it is finished it is finished the God I serve did not have to revise his plans it is finished it is finished he is the God I serve it is finished it is finished and because of that I am deeply confident. Kill this body, okay. But I am confident. And I know you take away this body, you have taken nothing away. I am confident. It is finished. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. We'll come back to this if it is allowed. People are getting this. So this is the first thing you want to establish. That this is God's approach to things. And we in the earth have to appreciate the heavenly pattern. In the heavenly pattern, He has finished everything. So when He declares, Thy will be done in the earth as it is in heaven. In heaven it is finished. So you started and we are to start from the day of rest. So from the day of rest, God gave man an assignment. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15. I want to share something with you out of there. Genesis chapter 2 verse 15. And God took the man whom he had formed and placed him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. The Garden of Eden is translates as the Garden of His delight, the Garden of His pleasure, the Garden of His will. Bro, the Garden of Eden is only one small part of the big Eden. People, are we getting this? This is east, right? Okay. For now, I'll turn the compass around. Just for illustration, because you are facing me. Let us say this is east. So, when God created, he demarcated an area. He fenced it. That he called the Garden of Eden. Bible says, and he planted a garden Eastward in Eden. Hello. It was not the whole Eden, but in the eastern part of Eden, he demarcated that area. The whole of Eden is God's delight. The whole of Eden is God's will. The whole of Eden is God's pleasure. God's desire for a certain accomplishment. But he demarcated a certain section of it and handed it to the responsibility of Adam and said to him, Tend it and 
keep it. The word to tend it means to serve it and be a worshiper. It's not agriculture. It's not agriculture. It's not agriculture. The agric started after the fall. Up until that time, there was much, much too much for Adam and for Eve. They did not need to start planting. God did not go down on his knees and dig up with a garden fork and, uh, and plant plants. You know how he was doing his planting? He called for the things. Bible says, for out of the ground, the Lord God caused every plant to grow. So doing that is not now that God has become a gardener doing that. Let's not get it wrong. He demarcated and fenced out an area. So for every man and for every marriage, there is a demarcation of God's will that is entrusted to you. For this assembly, there is a demarcation of God's will, God's delight that has been entrusted to you. For the eagle center, there is a demarcation entrusted to us that we must serve in as worshippers. In this present time, you engage with his will. And in order to do so, he placed two trees and said there is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we battle with that tree. Let me simplify one aspect of it. Because preaching about it will take much too long. But at least the one aspect we need to see in relation to our subject, obedience, is that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was representative the day we violated of self-will. As opposed to the will of God. That tree was symbolic of God's authority in their lives. It was symbolic of who they had to obey in their lives. While they were serving the will, it was symbolic of the limit to every liberty they had. For every liberty comes with a limit. So the enemy's strategy is to make sure you don't follow the word and instruction of God. For the moment you stop following it, you lose the inheritance of the delight of your fellowship and the place in the garden. This is the strategy. He did it in the garden. And then when Jesus came, the first time he did it, he asked the woman, has God said his strategy is to make you question the integrity of God's word in your heart and when he sees that you know it then he'll switch to strategy number two he says oh don't mind God God is cheating you 
God knows that in the day that you eat of it, in the day that you disobey him, in the day that you take your own initiative and you become your self-motivator and you do what you think is best, you will become wise like him. You won't need him anymore. But God had already created man in his own image and after his likeness. So that was a lie. The reason you must obey, one, there is finished work. Two, you start from the place of rest. You are not now laboring to get some things done. Three, you are to serve his will and not your will. So Jesus said, not my will, but as you will. And for that... He created partnership. Turn to your friend next to you, to your left and to your right. Look at them in the eye, eyeball to eyeball. Look through the window and see what soul you see inside there. <laughs> it's a beautiful soul. It's a beautiful soul. Say beautiful soul. You are a partner of life. So I exist because of you, and you exist because of me, and for the purpose of God's sake, let us work together. Tell them something else. Tell them there is nothing you will do from today, for which reason I will be so offended that I will not forgive you. Hello. Hello. Because God has created a partnership because of the great work. So when we get offended one with another, simply because I said don't hit the nail on the top, hit it on the side, so we are angry. A kingdom divided against itself. One, God has finished everything. Say with me, God has finished everything. God has finished everything. The new thing that we shall see in the earth, God has finished that. It is coming down from heaven. God has finished everything. Two, say, I am supposed to start my work from a place of rest. My labor is to function in his rest. So one of the purposes of faith is to usher you into rest. Faith has many purposes. Faith is to help you function in the supernatural. Faith is to give you eyes to see years ahead of your time. Faith is to help you, no matter the circumstance, you can still maintain your relationship with God. Faith is not only for receiving things and receiving things and receiving things. We see Moses, who by faith rejected things. 
Let us understand faith better. Turn to your neighbor. Say, neighbor. Esegoma. <laughs> Say, neighbor. Watiana. Say, neighbor. Ecoutez bien. Say, neighbor. In our language and in the English, we say understanding. Literally, there is something placed under upon which we reason. Faith has something called hypostasis, the foundation, the basis upon which we act in obedience. Do you grasp what is the basis before you act? And then you act. How do you say in heaven? <laughs> you want to break my jaws? I won't go there. People, are we getting this? So this is the establishment. And because of this, God decided that those whom would be responsive to his purpose, he crafted a document, a will, a record of a will, All of us parents here are laboring and working for the sake of what? Our children. To leave something for our children. That's something we want to leave for them. It's called the inheritance. So God crafted a will. In the crafting of the will, every will that is crafted according to legal, moral, and other situations, first, the one who crafted the will would have to what? Die. The will has no power unless the one who crafted the will dies. So if anyone goes to pick the will while the testator of the will is alive, what will you be described as? Any legal person who will tell me? Please. Fraud. Fraud. Thank you. What other word is there for fraud? How would Fanti say it? Fanti, we can then. We are You understand? Yes. You are a thief, a common thief, a robber. Where you go for somebody's will and the person is alive and you want to use it to gain what has, even though it has been assigned to you, the person is still not dead. Implication, the person can change their mind. So God crafted a will. And the will he crafted, he secured the will in the person of Jesus Christ. 
Genesis chapter 12. Let us find out what he said. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, 2, and 3. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curses you. And in you, all families of the earth shall be blessed. This is the gospel. And in you, all families of the earth shall be blessed. This is the gospel. In other words, in other places it says, and in your seed, singular. Let us look at Galatians. Galatians chapter 3. Verse 8, 9. The scripture, foreseeing that God will justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand. Before the time of the justification. Beforehand, the scripture preached the gospel. Hello? At that time, Moses had not been born to write the five books of Moses. People, are we getting this? God finished it. But here, now by revelation, we are being told the scripture. For seeing what God intended to do, preach the gospel to Abraham. Saying, in you all nations of earth shall be blessed. Verse 9. So then, those who are of faith, Those who believe, those who trust, are blessed with believing Abraham. We are the children. So if we are children of Abraham, then we have an inheritance in Abraham. Everything that God promised him, we have a right in it. Jump to verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Having become a curse for us, for it is written, curse is everyone who hangs on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles where? In Christ. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. 15. Brethren, I speak in the manner of men. Though it is only a man's covenant, yet, if it is ratified, If it is ratified, you take it to court, it is signed, the necessary parties have done their bit, there is a stamp on it, there is a seal, everybody says we agree. If it is ratified, confirmed, no one can change it or cancel it. I believe in law it is called a codicile. You can't do that. No matter how old the document is, it is certified. So if somebody, ten generations later, who was not present when the document was made, comes to discover the document in the great-great-great-grandfather's property, he looks at it and sees the land and everything, he has the right to pick it up. He says, let me see your document. 
Do you have a right to this place? Do you have a right to this place? This land belongs to me. They'll say, you 10-year-old boy, what do you think you are doing? He says, yeah, because I have the document. Anyone who sold the land without this document is a thief. He says, no one can change it or add to it, alter it. Look at it, verse 16. He says, now... To Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He doesn't say to seeds as of many, but as of one. To the seed, who is what? Christ. Verse 7 says what? Now, and this I say, that the law which came 430 years later cannot annul the covenant. That was confirmed in Christ to Abraham and make it of none effect. No. So people, I announce to you, the gospel was preached before the law came. People, are you getting it? So, God certified it, the benefits of the gospel, the blessing of the gospel, before Moses brought law. It was settled. What does verse 18 says? For if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer of promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. You have an inheritance. Hallelujah. Are you getting the picture? It is by promise. It is not by how good you are or how bad you are. It is because you have believed. Am I saying therefore continue being bad? No. By promise. How was it confirmed? It was confirmed because God swore an oath. Tell your neighbor, Apostle, Bishop, Mama, Auntie, God does not need to swear to any of us. He does not need to. The mere thought of his word is good enough. The mere declaration of I will, I will do this is good enough. But God knowing our problem knowing our weaknesses when he made the promise decided to go many steps beyond that and swore an oath to back his promise. This is why you must obey God. Because there is every reason one to trust him and if you trust him, then you can obey him. Can we show where this one happened? Go over to Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 13 onward. Let us find out what he says. I'm talking about the inheritance now. Alright? We have looked at the first thing, that God finished it. Yes? And we start from the place of rest. And we are to serve his will. And those who serve his will... We come into inheritance. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. 14. Saying, surely, blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply you. So, 
after he had patiently endured, that is where we are, learning to patiently what? Endure. He obtained the promise. For men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all disputes. When God makes a promise, or your brother makes a promise, or your husband makes a promise, or your wife makes a promise, in your mind, you have seen people fail and disappoint. So in your mind, there are questions, there are doubts, there are uncertainties, there are disputes going on. What if? What if? What if? And God was aware of all the what ifs in our hearts and our minds. So he said, for amongst men, men swear an oath. The oath binds the person who made the promise to make sure he doesn't fail. He keeps his word. And amongst men, men swear. That is why we go to court and we swear an oath to confirm a document. So anyone who picks the document can trust it and the one who made it. So God also descended to the level of men and also swore an oath. So there will be no dispute, doubt, uncertainty in our mind. Are you listening? Verse 17. This way, God determining to show more abundantly to who? To who? Are you an heir? Now you see where we are going. So God promising, he intended a certain package of a blessing. But it was to who? All the heirs of the promise. He wanted to show them the what? The immutability of his counsel. He confirmed it by an oath. So that by two what? Immutable things in which it is what? Oh, read it aloud. It is what? For? Pause. God is good. And all the time, with God, all things are wrong. With God, all things are wrong. With God, all things are That's right, you are listening. Because it is impossible for him to lie. You didn't get it. It is impossible for him to lie. Pastor, if it is impossible for God to lie, then when God says something, I have every reason to believe it. Are you getting the picture? So God did something in which it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, if he coughs, I can believe it. He can lie. He can't. It is impossible. Therefore, when I take hold of his word, he can't change it. He can't lie. He can't deny himself. It is impossible. So I can rejoice. All I need is for him to speak a word. And I say, he has spoken. He can't lie. So when you next time say, with God all things are possible, you can add, except to lie. So with God... Oh, say it boldly. With God, all things are possible, except... Then you finish the statement. 
if this is my case, then I have no reason to doubt him. And I have no reason to disobey him. If this is my case. That we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold on the hope that is set before us. Then look at the 19. It says, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul. That's right. In life, storms will blow. It is like we are on the sea. And the storm is blowing up and down. But when the promise and the oath becomes the anchor in your ship, when the storm is loud and strong, you throw the anchor. It hooks to the rock. And no matter how the storm goes, your anchor is secure. So then you can begin to sing. We have an anchor that keeps the soul. Steadfast and sure While the billows roll Fasten to the rock Which cannot move Grounded, firm and deep In the Savior Are you getting it? Since we have this Steadfast and sure which enters where? The presence behind the veil. So the anchor is a very unusual one. It doesn't go down. It goes forward and upward. Bruh. So your anchor, the moment you cast it, it becomes a line of faith. From wherever you are, no matter the storm, it connects to the presence of God. So from the presence of God, God is monitoring everything that is happening to you. Hello? People, are you getting this? So there is no way he can watch you for a storm to drown you and he doesn't care. He doesn't happen. Because he keeps his word. This is how it was confirmed. God swore an oath. He does not need to swear to anyone. He does not need to swear to anyone. Galatians chapter 4. Please give us verse 6 and 7. I'm talking about heirs. And because you are sons, God has sent for the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Another word for it is Daddy, Daddy, my personal father. Then verse 7 says, Therefore, you are no longer a slave. You are no longer a slave. You are no longer a slave to fear. You are no longer a slave to doubt. You are no longer a slave to uncertainty. You are no longer a slave to economic situations. You are no longer a slave to disease. You are no longer a slave. No longer a slave. But a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. It is heirs that inherit. I'm jumping ahead of myself. Let us go to chapter 9 of Hebrews and pick it up from verse 15. For this reason, 
He is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of eternal what? Eternal what? Eternal what? For where there is a testament another word for testament a will or a contract where there is a testament a deed a title deed where there is a testament there must also of necessity be the death of the testator so there is a testament in the testament every blessing every inheritance that God had prepared beforehand is recorded but it could not come into effect until there was the death of the testator. Look at the next verse. For a testament is in force only and after men are dead, since it has no power at all while the testator lives. So Jesus, Jesus came and died. To activate the testament. Are you listening? He came and died. So that your place as an heir. In the testament. Your inheritance can be activated. Now that it has been activated. You by obedience. And by faith. Must lay claim to your portion. In this. My brother. My sister. Don't be waiting or going searching from some places, strange places, to be told what blessing God has for you and who is sitting on it. Nobody can sit on your blessing. I said nobody can sit on your blessing. The only thing they can do is when an instruction is given and you must obey so you access your blessing, you don't obey and they obey. Yeah. I want it to sink in. The way to access your inheritance is through obedience. The way to access your inheritance is through obedience. The way to access your blessing is through obedience. You remember Jacob when he was called Jacob? His name means a fraud, a cheat, somebody who forges people's signature. That is Jacob. He will take your bank account, your checkbook, forge your signature, and take all. <laughs> that was Jacob. He followed the instructions. Prepare food for your father. Take it to him. He will eat. And he will bless you. The blessing was not intended for Jacob. It was not intended for him. Isaac's heart was minded to bless Esau. Not Jacob. He took it. When he greeted the father... Isaac said, who are you? Who, who, who are you? Because he recognized the voice. 
But he was also sure he had told nobody else. It was a private meeting between himself and Esau. So who are you? He said, I am your son Esau. He said, how? The blind man was confused. He says, how? He says, come, come closer, come closer. Let me check you out. So he came close. And then he touched his hand. Oh, it is as hairy as Esau. Embraced him and smelled his... The, the clothing smells like Esau. But the voice, the voice. Learn to know the voice of God in your life. Says the voice. The voice sounds like that of Jacob. And so he was in his confusion. Ended up. Said, okay. And he ate the food. And brought him wine. And he drank. And his soul was satisfied. When he finished, he began blessing him. And conjured. And blessed. And released the father's heart upon the man. All the property was going to go to Esau. But the blessing went to Jacob. Who? Who? Because he was roped in to obey an instruction. Esau also obeyed. But by the time he arrived, (laughs) you know what happened to him? It was because when his place as firstborn came up, he said, oh, as for me, I'm tired. I can't keep this place of firstborn. I'm too hungry to keep it. So you give me some beans, eh? beans and pepper stew to eat. That's all right now. what, What is good? What good is there if I'm dying? Jacob said, will you sell your birthright? He said, what kind of foolish things are you doing? He said, will you sell your birthright? He said, stop this joke. I'm hungry. Give me some food. He said, I said, sell your birthright to me. He said, okay, you take it. He did not think that tomorrow it will cost him. But now, He had obeyed. But even though he had obeyed, someone else had taken his place as firstborn because he gave up his place of firstborn. Bible says that when he sought it with tears, and Bible describes him in that act as a fornicator. You can lose your inheritance and your blessing. Depending upon how you engage with the one whom you are to obey. You can lose your inheritance and your blessing. Depending upon how you use your mouth. So the children of Israel, through their journey in the wilderness... Nine out of ten times when they sinned, their mouth, they were talking wrong things every time. Because of the wrong things they said. They said, we are not able to take it. So God said, because of what you have said. 
you will all die in the wilderness one by one. Only Joshua and Caleb were the ones left who inherited the promise. And that day, Joshua said, says, he says, look, it was rather Caleb, eh? he said, look, I was 40 years old when we went and spied the land. And 40 years has come by. Now I am 85. But my strength is still the same like that day we went. Why? Because he held on to the word of God. When you hold on to the word of God, your strength will not diminish. Your strength will not diminish. Praise God. Kept it. Watch what you say. Some of us are in the habit. When you are at work and you need some excuse, you are not sick. They say, oh, I'm not feeling well. You are inheriting something you don't want to. Be careful. Be careful. I have experienced it before. So find a wise discretionary way. After all, you don't have to say everything. You have to go. Say, please, I need to go. Say, why? Say, I'm sorry, but I, I can't explain. But I need to go. No matter how they insist, rather than tell a lie, I need to go. If they refuse you, fine. But the easiest one is to lie. And the easiest of the lies, I'm not feeling well. Do you want to inherit sickness? So why do you call it upon yourself? Reuben. I'm talking about inheritance. Reuben. The father had traveled and he went up to the father's bed. Dishonored the father. The issue is not the sexual relation. The issue is the issue of dishonoring the father. There are some who may be in this assembly. And in your heart, you dishonor him. You will lose some things. There are others in other assemblies. And you may be listening online. There are some things that you will lose because you dishonor. Whether it's your biological father or your spiritual father, you will lose some things. You know what happened to Noah's children? One saw the dishonorable state of the father. And instead of keeping quiet, he went and published it. The other two, the moment they heard, they were grieved that the state of their father would be so exposed in dishonor. So they hatched out a plan, collected a cape, put it on their shoulders. They entered the tent backward because there was no way they would want to see that state of the father. They didn't want anything of a memory, a picture in their minds that would remind them of anything, anything dishonorable. So they went and cast it and went back. How he was lying down, how he was, they didn't see it. If you ask them, there was nothing to say. Some of us, you can't be told a secret. Once, some three people went to pray on a retreat. They were each praying for retreat. And 
after they had prayed for some time, they said, okay, so what is your issue? Let us share our issue so we each would. The first person said, you know, as for me, my problem is money. I, I, I keep taking money from places I shouldn't take. So okay, we'll pray. The next person said, my problem is with women. Oh, I, I, every time I, I just keep on, and I, I'm just praying God to help me. The third person, they said, so you too, what is your... <laughs> he said, my problem is my mouth. <laughs> When I hear the thing, I can't keep quiet. <laughs> Immediately, the prayer meeting ended. <laughs> when Noah woke up from that sleep, immediately, he knew and said, this and then began to speak against Canaan. By the way, Canaan is not in Africa. I said, Canaan is not in Africa. Canaan was not an African. Some people have deceived us enough. Check the scripture. Canaan is in the Middle East. He's not in Africa. I repeat, he's not in Africa. So you are not cursed. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. I say Africa is not cursed. That deception is too old. Kick it out of your head. You are not cursed. Anybody who tells you Africa is cursed, you are not cursed. The only problem we have is instead of rising up in dignity to do what we must do, we are not doing it. That is a different story. But you are not cursed. Noah did not curse you. Noah did not curse you. By the way, he cursed Canaan. You know what Canaan means? Canaan means peddler. Somebody who peddles. So that is what you'll be, a peddler. You'll serve everybody. You'll be peddling around. you have any place stability where you increase. When you do that, you will lose your inheritance. And you will lose your blessing. People, are we getting this? If you choose self-will against the will of God, you will lose your inheritance. You won't get a blessing. So since scripture has declared that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, yours now becomes to discover what those blessings are for you. Do you understand? You must discover what they are. So if we are joint heirs with Christ Jesus, then everything that God has given to Christ, we have. The heir, the one, how do you say it in Chisa? An heir. Or the idea. The heir must and does not only inherit material things. In the concept of an heir in other jurisdictions, you also inherit the name of the person you are to inherit. You inherit their status. You inherit their respect and authority. So when you go about, you say, oh, now, that is why in some instances, 
that is the, the, what do you call it? The, the second born son who came back, the prodigal son. He was given a ring that represents the father. People, are you getting this? You inherit all the connections and relationships that you had. So people, if you are... <laughs> Let me say it for myself, okay? If my father was a thief, a notable thief, eh? and I mention my name, what will I inherit? His reputation as a thief. You see what goes on? The same way, if my father is a notable surgeon, and I mention my name, everyone say, oh, is that your father? You inherit status, name, clout, relationships, the respect. So your inheritance is not just property, land, and buildings. It is much more than that. That is why some people would lose land and building and everything. But they have an inheritance in somebody's status. You have an inheritance in the status and the name of Jesus Christ. And you must learn. Because we are joint heirs with him. Scripture says in Ephesians, we are seated with him together in heavenly places. So you start your walk by sitting. Sitting in a heavenly place. That is how we start. May the Lord God establish you. May the Lord God bring you to the place where you know you have an inheritance of an oath sworn by God. You know you have an inheritance of the name of Jesus. You know you have a place because you are joint heirs with Him. What it means is that you have much, much more you have not yet touched. All the bulk of the promises of God is yours to appropriate. The power of heaven is yours to appropriate. The goodness of God is yours. The nature and the person and the character of God. So he says, I want you to become a partaker of my divine nature. So when believers do not realize what we have been invited into, we are missing very, very big things. I speak to you. I don't need to prophesy to you. Every word I have spoken today is a prophetic word of God to you. It has been activated to your spirit. The only difference is if you receive it as a word from God. If you receive it as a word from God, according to the nature of the word of God, when the word comes from heaven and touches the earth, it causes the earth to start budding. It does not remain like that. You cannot remain like that. There is heavenly things that have been rained upon your soil. You cannot remain like that. You don't continue the same way you continue. There must be a renewing of your mind. For he says, by the renewing of your mind, you will be transformed. And you will know the will of God. So walk in that place. The goodness of God is abundant. The blessing of God 
is yours to walk in. The promises of God are yours to claim. The power of God is available to take care of your situation. No demon, no witch, no power can stop you if you respond to God. We are no ordinary people, yet we walk in humility. But you must know who you are. You must know that you are created in Him for good works. You must know that you are a resident place of the presence and the power of God. He finished it. Enter into that rest by obedience and trust. For the word of God is living and powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. It fulfills whatever it was spoken to fulfill. God bless you. God increase you. God establish you. Amen.